0: More lineup changes to come for the Leafs in tonight's game against the Boston Bruins. Is all this juggling becoming worrisome? We'll discuss on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the April 6th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. Be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, check us out on YouTube as well. Now, Locked On lease on YouTube. Hit subscribe and click the notification bell. we got new videos coming out each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, and uh, that'll alert you to when we drop them each morning. Um, big day, big day, the Boston Bruins. It's always, always going to be an intriguing matchup when the Maple Leafs play the Boston Bruins. We'll, uh, we'll kind of help tee up the game, Brian O'Reilly. He returns tonight, which means there's a little bit of some lineup juggling that uh, that is is going on with Toronto, and and we'll discuss whether or not we we think it's troublesome that we're this late in the year, and and that's going to uh, still be happening here for the Maple Leafs. We'll get to all that uh, in just a little bit, but um, the final as of the recording of this podcast, the final for the Tampa Bay and New York Rangers game has now come through, and the Rangers have come out victorious against Tampa Bay. I don't know if you saw some of the highlights and some of the stuff going on on Twitter. That was a physical, physical hockey game, dude. Holy smokes. Um, But with the Tampa Bay Lightning losing, the Leafs' magic number is three. The magic number is Justin Hall, which means... Any combination of three points against Boston and Montreal, they could have home ice locked up by the weekend.
1: It's pretty nice. It'd be good to get it, and not have to worry about it in the last week of the season, like The last three games. I'm not. I'm not saying they're gonna they can coast, but they can at least say to themselves, "All right, we don't have to kill each kill ourselves trying to get ourselves three points in the final week of the season."
0: Right, a hundred percent, and you know, I it, it it does allow you also to rest some guys, I suppose, make sure that you have Samsonov rest up. Most importantly, I think, and you know, you don't have to force feed him into some um, games and, and more importantly, have it locked down before that game against Tampa. That's that what I think is most important. So if you can get it done, um, pick up, you know, one or two points in Boston and then pick up a full two points at home against Montreal to end off your, your home schedule uh, I think that would bode very well for this team uh, and put them in good shape for, for the final week. I do want to have this conversation, though, about home ice advantage because, you know, I I, I know that you are a believer in home ice and, and as am I, so we are on the same page when it comes to that and how it would be beneficial to the Maple Leafs. But there still are some people out there that argue that it doesn't matter. And I've even had people tell me actually they think it might even be better if they start on the road and the reasoning is because less pressure, right? Cause all you got to do is split, you know, one of those games on the road and then you come back home with some, uh with some, uh some momentum and hopefully you pick up two wins there. And next thing you know, you're up three, one in the series. That is the kind of uh argument that I've heard for why maybe home ice advantage would be a disadvantage for the Maple Leafs just because it would take some pressure off of them. But dude, like I, I'm, I still am of the belief that whole ice advantage is is definitely a helpful tool to have uh, for the Maple Leafs this year.
1: Let's just say if you've seen the Tampa Bay Lightning play on the road, you want to give yourself every bit of a chance to play as many games outside of Amalie Arena as you can. Like,
0: uh, yeah, you want to. Uh, I got the record pulled up. Do you have it pulled up?
1: Uh, I I can get that in two seconds. Well,
0: I got it for you. I'll, I'll just I'll just I guess while you're looking for it, I can say it uh, verbally. The Tampa Bay Lightning at home are twenty-seven seven and five. Twenty-seven seven and five. They got a better record than Toronto at home this season. On the road, however, the Tampa Bay Lightning under five hundred eighteen twenty and one. Meanwhile, the Maple Leafs are twenty thirteen and four. Like they actually have a decent road record, despite you know the the Samsonov struggles out on the road they still tend to win some games out there when they're uh, when they're away from Scotiabank Arena not as uh, as much the case for the Tampa Bay Lightning which is interesting now the playoffs things are totally different i understand that but that is certainly one thing to consider that Tampa Bay uh, their home record strong road record not strong so what does that tell you about you know, When they don't have that advantage of being able to dictate the matchups and having last change, does that factor into that road record being poor? I would argue yes, especially since they're not as deep of a team as they once were, um, especially last year in that series against Toronto. But I think also, and and we spoke about this yesterday, to me one of the biggest things about it, like yeah, okay, I can look at Tampa's record, but to me it's, it's the comfort that I have in Samsonov at home as opposed to on the road, right? Like the stats are there, man. His home road splits are are very intriguing to the point where even Sheldon Keefe was like, yeah, I have my eye on him. Uh, they, I have my eye on, on those home road splits. And with Murray going down, it, it doesn't matter. He's gonna play on the road anyways now. But um, I think ensuring four games at the very least on home ice, um, and that last one in particular on home ice, is best-case scenario for the Maple Leafs.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's too many factors to ignore here. I can get behind the reasoning some people had because last year the Leafs had home ice, and what happened, Tampa Bay figured, if we can split one of the two games, the pressure's now on the Leafs to try to do the same. I mean, the Leafs ended up then splitting the two games in Tampa after that.
0: Right, it became a three-game series.
1: Right, the Leafs have to do whatever they can to not make this series go six or seven if possible, right? Six would be the max. And the best way you can do that is you take advantage of having that home ice, getting Samsonov's voodoo of playing at home, and just re- like putting that all into a pot and just try to manifest ending the series as early as possible.
0: Yeah. if Ideally ideally you're going back home to Toronto up three, one in the series and a chance to put it away in five. That would be the most ideal scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs for sure. I uh, I completely agree, but I, I, I still find it funny to be honest, that there still are those people who will argue that home ice doesn't matter. They don't care about it. And uh, I've even had someone tell me like, and eh, they may be better off without it, which I think is just uh an asinine comment, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, but, hey, a- a- opinions are opinions, and everyone's entitled to them. Um, and mine is the Leafs are better off with home ice than not. Uh, all right, we had a game tonight. Leafs in t- Boston, not in Tampa. <laughs> They're in Boston tonight. Ryan O'Reilly will return to the ice. And because of that, we do have some new lineups to take a peek at, the projected lines for tonight. Um, and we'll kind of talk about them, whether or not we think all this line moving. We saw a lot of movement in the lines in the game against uh, Columbus yesterday, and we kind of continue to see it here against Boston in the final two weeks of the season. Do we like that there is still so much movement in line juggling? We'll discuss that on the other side as well. Um, but before we do, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors, and it's our favorite. It's FanDuel. The NHL playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's North America's number one sportsbook and because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to the pocket line, goal scorer, shop props, whatever you want. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your best bets for a chance to win a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com. That's FanDuel.com to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the Locked On Network. Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. We are still on our hunt for 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. We would really appreciate it if you are enjoying the content and haven't subscribed yet, which a lot of our views typically come from unsubscribed people. So we would love it if you would do us a favor, hit subscribe. And I believe I did say if we can get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of the first round, and the Maple Leafs punched their ticket to round two. I will get a Leafs jersey with the last name placeholder on it as a little inside joke from that day. There was a random placeholder in the lineup, um, some UFT player or whatever, just kind of tooting around, and it was a funny little meme that was going around uh, with the with the reporters who just didn't know the person, so they put. Placeholder instead of a last name in uh, in the least lineup at practice that day, um, but either way, we we, we really do want to try and grow this thing, and uh, that's another big milestone for us. So if you're enjoying the content, please, you know, we would appreciate uh, you know a thumbs up, a like, and obviously a, a subscribe as well. Um, but it's uh, it's a big game tonight, you know, in Boston. As we mentioned, if they can pick up at least one point, hopefully two points tonight, that goes a long way in locking up that home ice advantage. The magic number is three. And if they can get one or two of those tonight, that makes it a hell of a lot easier to do in the final four games after this one. Um but the big news obviously is Ryan O'Reilly returning tonight for the Maple Leafs. Uh five games to go. Is, is that enough to get him up to speed you think, Dave?
1: Oh, it should be. I I, I do think it's enough. Um like if it was like two games that might be like the minimum. I would say a couple of games would should hopefully do it because he's at least been skating. It's more so the shooting and just the, his conditioning. So if you give him the last five games, I think that would, uh, I think that should be sufficient enough.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And again, it's, it's a hand injury, not like a lower body injury. He has been skating for a while. And even today in practice, he was asked, you know, how he's feeling says he feels good no discomfort in puck battles which is a good sign obviously that's the thing that you're worried about when you have uh you know when you're coming back from a broken finger is am I able to engage in those puck battles and be as efficient in that uh in that part of the game that makes Ryan O'Reilly such uh, such a great player so hopefully that's a true statement and not just lip service uh, i i mean it very well could be but uh if he's winning puck battles and and maybe it does hurt a little bit but he's not you know, not uh, telling us or he's not letting it look like it is, then I do not care, to be quite honest with you, whether it's lip service or not. Just win those damn puck battles and I will believe you. Um, I would expect there to be some some movement tomorrow, though, because I was taking a look at Cap Friendly, and if you bring him up, uh, you are one point, like the Leafs will be $1.5 million over in cap space. Um, but to get there, like once they activate Ryan O'Reilly, uh, they can easily get underneath it, though, uh, and and not have to put anyone on LTIR, namely uh, Matt Murray. That's why I was checking. Um, they could just send down Abruzzese and uh, Wayne Simmons, and and they are under the cap and won't have to make any more or any additional moves, um, especially to, to, Ryan, to, to Matt Murray. So that's just a little bit of information there. Uh, do we want to take a look at tonight's projected lines? Because that's kind of where... The conversation, uh, I think, will heat up a little bit here, Dave, because um, it's different, right? Like it, it, the, uh, the the D pairings kind of went back to what they had been. Like he he put them in a blender in game uh, in a game against Columbus, and now they're going exactly back to the way they were prior. So you've got McKay back with Brody, Giordano with Hall, and then Morgan Riley alongside Luke Shen. So those those to me seem to be like this is Sheldon Keith telling me these are our three pairs that we feel most comfortable with these are gonna be the three pairings um that do start come game one of the playoffs are, are you picking up that uh, that scent as well
1: yeah yeah for sure you look at just where I mean we we discuss it, we discussed it and we what we think was ideal and it's funny how similar what we thought was gonna happen and what ended up being uh coming true like this, like At this point, the exper- experimentation of trying different things is over. Now it's pretty much tinkering the little adjustments, but you have your core pretty much together. Like I don't think basically what you're seeing right now on the screen is what I think it's going to end up being.
0: That's like- what we've seen. Like, I think the last two, three weeks, it's pretty much been this. And then randomly, like, they, they brought in, you know, Riley sat a game. But, you know, they would go to uh, an 11-7 and situation where Lilligrim would come in and play. And, you know, Connor Timmons came and played that one game. But usually, if, if no one's sitting out for load management purposes, this was typically the, the defensive um deployment and the pairings we've seen in the last you know two three weeks probably now so it does make sense they found something that they like that they think will work that i personally like i mean if if we quickly break things down like mckay brody has been a, a terrific shutdown pairing in terms of expected um goals against their fifth best defensive pairing in the national hockey league amongst pairs who've played just as much or more minutes than they have together at five on five this season. It's exactly what you want to see out of a shutdown pair. And then Gio and Hall, you know, Hall as much as people hate seeing him in the lineup because of his up and down season, uh, a lot of people would rather see Timothy Lilligren in there. And I, I understand it to an extent, but Gio and Hall, they work, man. Like they've, they have shown in the past that they can, they can work and, and it's reliable. I will at least say it is a reliable pairing. And then Morgan Riley and uh, and Luke Shen uh you want to get Luke Shen in there just because of the physicality that he brings. And, you know, he's going to go alongside Morgan Riley, who is very similar to the Quinn Hughes esque player that he was with in Vancouver anyway. So he's, he's used to it and he can sit back and play that defensive style while Riley, you know, is the riverboat gambler. He's going to be Shen knows how, uh, how to react to that. And, And I think that that pairing will work as, as a more sheltered, a uh, pair that's de- deployed more so in the offensive end than defensive end.
1: Yes. No, I definitely do. I uh, think when you're looking at the D pairings, like I, I didn't mind when we saw rally and Brody back together, just because we know it's something that they can always go back to. Mm-hmm. But I do think, yeah, this is, this would be a good test. to See how they do on the road and against the Boston Bruins team that, you know, is going to be physical. They are closer to that Tampa style in terms of how they play. Obviously, better than Tampa, but this is this is a good test for this uh, for this blue line. And yeah, would I like to see Timothy Liljegren on this blue line? Yes, I very much would. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how he would fare in a in a matchup like he like against the Bruins. So. I'd like to see how this one, this lineup does first. And then look, you can play Lily Green next week against Tampa.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You could uh you could go that route. All right. Um as for the forward group, uh, why don't we take a quick break and then come back and we could get to the forward group? Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly does check back into uh the game, um, into the into the lineup tonight and he is not in the top six. Those watching on YouTube can obviously see where he's sitting at, but those who are listening in the podcast form will have to wait a moment for us to tell you exactly where he is slotted into the lineup. That's the advantage of being on YouTube. That's the advantage. You can see things that we have posted up here, so maybe that's one more reason to go and subscribe to us and watch it on uh, on YouTube. But before we do get to the four groupings, uh, one more Word from our show sponsor.
1: Yes, and today's show is brought to you by Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could handpick the best stars for your business team? If you're building your talent roster, you just need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent faster than Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessment, and virtual interviews. Hate waiting. Well, Indeed does have data that shows that 80% of Indeed employees find quality candidates who resumes on Indeed matches their job descriptions the moment they sponsor a job. Candidates you invite, to, you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to U.S. Indeed data. With Indeed matching, as soon as you sponsor posts, you get a short list of quality candidates who resumes On Indeed, match your job description, boom, it's hiring at warp speed. Indeed does all the hard work for you. Sponsor job, they'll match you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description right when you post. With Indeed, you can start hiring fast. Just over 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash to start hiring now. Indeed.com slash Locked On. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Welcome back into the Locked On These Podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morisuti. It's a game day. Maple Leafs heading to... Boston to take on the big bad Bruins and you know they're gonna be a handful I mean it's the team that's only lost four games on the road in regular or at home rather in regulation all season long they're chasing down records NHL records this year it's it's wild it's a team that's already up to 60 victories they've got 125 points banked on the year and uh, are a plus 120 goal differential. Which is lapping the field, lapping the field, Dave. Like, legitimately, they're at plus 120. The next best team is plus 57. And that's the New York Rangers at plus 57. Like, double that. That's what? 114, I guess, with 57. Yeah, 114. They've got 120. They've got six more. If they were to double their New York Rangers up, it's just maddening. The the way uh, the way Boston has been going through every single team and dominating the year, and uh, that's that's the next opponent for the Maple Leafs tonight. Let's pull up those forward groupings though to see if you know Toronto uh, how they stack up against Boston here tonight. Because again, there are some differences, and Ryan O'Reilly has returned to the lineup, so uh, the top line will remain intact. The top six remains intact similarly to the way that it did uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets with Bunting, Matthews, and Yarncroft. Nylander Tavares and Mitch Marner remain together. The third line is where it gets interesting. Alex Kerfoot with Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. So Ryan O'Reilly checking into the three C-hole with Achari and Kerfoot. Your thoughts, Dave?
1: Yeah, you know, like we were kind of teased with the Tavares, Marner, and O'Reilly trio returning. Uh, in practice uh, the you know going into the or morning skate going against Columbus
0: in hindsight that was very much O'Reilly as a placeholder for yeah, Nylander who exactly. didn't end up skating and played in that day in hindsight we realize this
1: now yes uh Sheldon Keith it kind of i mean just you know he gave Nylander and a couple of other guys options to take uh take a day, take a skate off and Nylander's like yes please um so yeah i i'm not too too surprised because i feel like out of all the lines here that third line is the one that kind of needs to um needs to need some sort of identity in some way i think if you're having o'reilly achari and kerfoot there you know kerfoot gives you kind of the speed and defensive play achari gives you the physicality and then o'reilly is going to be the I guess he'll be the offensive catalyst. I don't know. Um, that's the part I'm I'm wondering about a little bit here. Can Kerfoot create a little more offensively in that role with O'Reilly? Because that's that's the only part about this that I'm wondering about. Obviously, they're going to also be a little more of a checking line in that regard in defensive situations. Like that's your pure defensive uh, forward line there, but offensively, that's where I'm wondering where it's going to come from.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are there, there some slight question marks, I suppose, when you're looking to find that depth scoring outside the top six. But, you know, O'Reilly's just a gamer, man. Like, I, I think he'll he'll find a way to, to score goals. I mean, Kerfoot's as, as, you know, poor as his season has been, um, you know, he's been a playoff performer. Like, sadly, uh, when you think of who've been some of the better Maple Leafs in the playoffs the last three years, Alex Kerfoot's pretty high up on that list and, and that's not really a good thing but it does mean like he he is he can be relied upon to show up in the postseason um so he could potentially provide a little bit of offense but I think to your point that's mainly a checking line they're just making sure that they can shut down, um, you know, Stamkos, Kucherov and, and points, right? Like that's, that's going to be the role potentially of, of Kerfoot O'Reilly and Acharya. And, and Hey, look, Noel Acharya, if, if they end up with pucks in the offensive end and, you know, they end up with greasy goals and, and they just get pucks on net, that guy's going to be parked in front and he'll be looking to get those Pat Maroon, Corey Perry, esque garbage, greasy rebound goals. And uh, it doesn't have to be pretty, right? Cause they're not always pretty for Tampa Bay. You know, they, they weren't. They they simply just took the puck to the net and scored, you know, some garbage goals. I think Toronto, you look at the, a lot of the additions that they made. Achari, Zach Aston Reese has scored some greasy goals. Lafferty can do it. You know, even Yardcroc, a lot of his goals, um, well, not a lot of them, but a, a, a portion of his goals are coming from in tight, just picking up rebounds, right? Like the one that he scored the other night in, in Detroit, pounced on a rebound and lifted it, got some height on it, and ended up in the back of the net. So I think that uh, that's a way that you could get some some offense from the bottom six. Doesn't have to be pretty, buddy. It just has to go in. I think there's some guys who might be able to do it. Um, Zach and reese Camp, and Lafferty is uh, is the fourth line, so they will continue to be uh, the line that was pretty good in that game against Columbus. So I don't know, man. Like I'm, I am curious though if this is what Sheldon Keefe is looking at and thinking this would be an ideal Ford grouping for game one. Um, Or if he believes that, you know, the lineup he had a few days ago might be more so what he wants to do with Matthews and Marner. uh, If he wants to keep them apart. Like I am curious what Sheldon Keefe's mindset is um, just because we still have seen quite a lot of line juggling in the last like week here in particular up with the Fords.
1: Yeah, when you look at how, like, like it, it always feels like Sheldon Keefe is trying to find some sport of spark with someone, and that's why he's moving things around. Like, obviously, Marner being moved with Tavares and Neilander, he's trying to get those two guys going.
0: Well, it is, is that just to spark them, or is this because he believes that he's going to play them together in the playoffs? I, but that's the question.
1: Yeah, that, that, that seriously is the question. Like, you look at Bunting being moved with Matthews, that screams to me also about trying to get Bunting going because we've also seen Kerfoot move up and flip spots with Bunting, right? So, I do think that if it would be in the Leafs' best interest if if Mar- you see Marner getting Tavares and Nylander going, and they're not bad defensively as a unit, just keep that unit together, and we've seen Matthews take his game and go to back to that level that we expect it to be. And that's why I'm okay with leaving that tree. Like see how that trio does. If they can handle it, then it just makes your lineup that much deeper. And I, I this right now looks more like the lineup I expected to see from the Leafs where it's top to bot, like bottom, top to bottom. You can see every line could contribute in some way versus, you know, stacking up the top two lines and then you're just like well bottom six you just gotta hope and pray that they do something
0: wow you've come full 180 here haven't you you are very much O'Reilly top six and now here you are wanting to spread the wealth look at you
1: well look at what they did against Columbus I was impressed with what I saw from Marner Tavares and Nylander right? Like that, that looked like a, a line at five on five can, you know, can do some things that maybe were they weren't able to do. Like, I just wasn't sure about the Marner Nylander being on that same line together. Like how, if that would work with tomorrow. Yeah.
0: I'm still not like completely convinced of that. And that's only just because we haven't really seen it. I mean, it should work. Like they're, they're three really good players. There's no reason why they shouldn't be able to work together. Um, but again, we just kind of have to see it. So getting a second game of it, I think is actually a, a good thing. And, and to play against a team like Boston who you know you're gonna have to fight to, to generate scoring against a team like this, who's quite literally the best defensive team in hockey, uh, number one in terms of goals against uh, a game. And, and then when it comes to limiting offense, which is also something that I'm sure that that trio and, and the, the whole team I guess is gonna have to try and do Oh, they happen to also be the number two offense in, in the entire NHL in terms of goals per uh, goals per, per game. So yes, it will be a massive, massive um challenge tonight. But I think it's good to get um another look at that trio against a a good the best team, because they just gotta look against the worst team, and it was like, all right, look good, but what do they look like against the playoff team? Now we'll find out in this game against Boston.
1: Exactly. Like you can only know this game against Boston is coming up not only at the best time, but it's, it's the exact test that this team needs because we know Boston isn't lighting up at all. They're not a team that's going to take their foot off the gas, even though they've clinched pretty much. They have nothing left to play for.
0: Buds, they have records to play for records.
1: Yeah, I mean, the records are nice in the regular season, but they also want to make sure that they're ready for the playoffs as well.
0: I think they will be, but also, I mean, it's it, they're such a deep team that they, even if they sat, dude, they, they sat Bergeron and Marshawn like a couple weeks ago and beat the Carolina Hurricanes. They sat those guys and still beat Carolina. It was one of the best teams in the East after Boston. Like, that's how deep this team is, and... Only getting deeper, too, once uh, Nick Felino and, and Taylor Hall come back for for playoff time. They've essentially been kucharoved. uh, but they'll be back for Game 1, and things won't get any easier for their opposition. Hopefully, that will be Toronto in Round 2. Um, but hopefully, the Leafs can, uh, can withstand it. All right, buddy. Any other final comments you want to make uh, today regarding this game or anything else that's percolating in the brain?
1: Well, I mean... Obviously, we talked about Samsonov a little bit. I want to see how he does against a good team. Hmm. Like, he hasn't, like, if you look at the last little bit here, like, Samsonov, I don't think, has been challenged, I think, in a way that I like to see him be challenged. Like, he's played some against some good teams, but he hasn't played against a lot of elite teams. Let
0: me see who his last starts have been against Uh, Detroit, Ottawa, Florida, the Islanders. And Carolina, Carolina is probably the best team there. I mean, Florida gave him a run for his money, I suppose. Um, but yeah, yeah. To your point, he hasn't been playing, you know, the best teams in the NHL uh, of late. Yeah, now he is, is the best team actually, and and pretty much his final his final big test before the playoffs, right? Like he'll get one of those games in Florida, either the Panthers or the Lightning. I hope it's the Panthers. I don't want him going anywhere near Tampa Bay in that game. Uh, But this will be his, his biggest final test to, to tune things up and, and to see how he goes up against, you know, some top tier talent and ultimately how he does that on the road, which has been a struggle for him. But his last start was a three, nothing shutout on the road, but it was Ottawa. What can he do against Boston?
1: Exactly. Like that, that's what I want. Like, at this point, you got to test yourself in some way, and these are the perfect games to do that. And, you know, I, like just we've seen these, the Leafs have pretty brutal results against the Bruins, too. Like it, it'd be nice to see them kind of tell Boston, hey, you know, we can, we can, we can actually beat you.
0: Well, they've played three times this year a 5 2 loss, a 4 3 loss in Toronto which was actually a really good game, if I recall.
1: It was, and then, the way, it was a 5-2 loss in Toronto, 4-3 loss in Boston.
0: Oh, yes, I had flipped. Yes, you
1: are correct. <laughs> and then the other uh, one in Toronto, which was like a...
0: Toronto, they won 2-1 early in the season. Uh, I think Matthews had like both those goals, didn't he, in that game? 2-1 win?
1: Uh, the only thing I really remember from that game was when Samsonov... Oh, my blew God. his knee
0: right yeah. against uh, on the penalty oh, I shot. I
1: mentioned that
0: yeah. <sighs> we're, we're riding a high Dave. And then you had to bring that up. You had to bring it up. Well, let's pray for no penalty shots in this game.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Like, if, if, this happens,
0: to, if this has to go to shootout,
1: get him get them out, get them out of there.
0: <laughs> like with, you, you take a, you get a whistle with like three seconds left in overtime and switch out the goalie. <laughs> Joseph, we need your services, please. You're going to take care of business. We only need to get one point. One point is successful. It's been secured. If you can get the second point, great. And, hey, he's a Boston guy. He, You know, he went to Boston College. So I'm sure he would be more than happy to uh, to, to do that.
1: Uh, or I might have to go and get uh, the Malokio and make sure Samsonov is protected.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Get the pepper all over that guy. All right, buddy. Um, anything else you want to get to?
1: No, I think that's that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, I think we pretty well uh, covered things here. All right, good stuff. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, guys. Um... Should be a goodie. That'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leaves content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Sudie. Leave a like on this video if you, uh, if you liked it. And uh, a comment down below. Your thoughts on uh, Ryan O'Reilly slotting in as 3C. Is this what you expected? Is this an optimal lineup? What does your ideal lineup look like if you had uh, Sheldon Keefe's job and could formulate your own little ideal lineup card? Let us know down below as well. Uh, But that'll do it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow. We will recap the game against the Boston Bruins. Until then, though, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.